Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. All right, put your hand on your heart and say, I am, I am. a generational change agent. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a generational change agent. So it's not enough for the pastors or the politicians to make change. You have to make change in your own house, saints of God. We have to go far beyond where we are today so that we can make a change in everybody and everyone who is associated with us. Is that making sense at all? So let me take you back to the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 36, verse 26. It, God makes this statement. It's a, it's a profound statement that, that, man, when you look at the profundity of what this verse says, man, it opens up such a, a wonderful world of experience and destiny. He says, let us make man. So he said us. He didn't say, let me make man. He said, let us make man according to our image and our likeness. So in other words, saints of God, this is a powerful statement here because the word image in the Latin is a majo day. It means that we are in the very image of God. It doesn't mean that we are God. It means that we have enough of God that we act like God, talk like God, and then we, we appreciate other people like God. That's the homage day of God. He said, let us make man like me. Everything else, saints of God, when you read in the book of Genesis, God said he just called it into existence. He said, let the birds come. Boom. And the birds started flying. He said, let the animals come up from the ground. They came up from the ground. He spoke to the water and the fish started swimming. He called things into existence. But when it came to making man, he said, I can't call man into existence. I got to get down and create man out of something. And then when I created, I got to blow into that man the breath of life. And he became a living soul. He became a living nephish. God said, no, I got to take the time to create man because I want man to be just like me. You are bad. You are made in the image of God. Every atheist that wake up that defies God is made in the image of God. Every person is made in the image of God. So if every person is made in the image of God and, and you don't have God unless you have his spirit. And since his spirit has no color. Then your Christianity should supersede your culture. Well, if you want to preach it right, that's the way it's said. So in other words, I'm a Christian that happens to be black. Not the other way around. A lot of folk got it twisted. I'm black that happen to be a Christian. Well, then your blackness supersedes your Christianity. I'm white because I'm a Christian. Well, your whole filter is through your whiteness. No, you are a Christian. If you say you're a Christian, if you receive Jesus in your heart, your Christianity now must rule and reign over who you used to be because the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have become new because you received God for the first time. You became aware of who you were made for, of what you were made for. Why? Because Jesus Christ tied up your destiny in him. He called you to a greater purpose, saints of God. He wants you to be in the very, in his very image. But if you're not in his image, then what image are you in? 
See, the reason he said let us is because he's talking about the Father, he's talking about the Son, Jesus Christ, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some proof here because people like proof. Let me read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. Apostle Paul, when he was speaking of Jesus Christ in creation, in creation he said this, he is the image of the invisible God. He, meaning Jesus Christ, the firstborn over all creation, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. In Jesus Christ. Well, if in him all things consist, he has to be God. Well, let me give you another verse to kind of prove that. The Bible says in John chapter 1, it said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created by him, and there was nothing created or made without him. And the Word was in the beginning with God. So if the Word was in the beginning with God, the word had to be God because nothing could have been in the beginning unless it was God because God says, I am alpha and omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. Only God can declare the beginning to the end. Why? Because he's the only creator. Only a creator can tell you the beginning and the end. Everything after that, you are a created being. Even Lucifer is a created being. Therefore, Lucifer can't create anything because he was created. And anything that he tries to create, it is a counterfeit. Yeah, that's right. uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so when God says, I'm going to make something and I'm going to make it just like me. So if somebody comes in and says, well, I don't like the way you made it, God. I'm going to rearrange some things. I'm going to change some things because I like it better a different way. You just created a counterfeit or worse yet, a perversion of what God originally created. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now. Jesus said in John 8, 58, he said, before Abraham was, I am. What does that mean? That means that Jesus was saying, I existed before Abraham. And he said, I am. He used the name of God. He said, I am. You remember when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, you tell him. I am that I am sent you. See, see, when he spoke that, he said, asher He said, you tell him I am that I am. In other words, when you break that thing down, that means I will be who I will be. So in other words, God says, when you say that I am that I am, that means I will be who I shall be. In other words, if you need a healing, I will be Jehovah Rapha. <laughs> he said, I am that I am. He said, if you need some peace, I will be Jehovah Shalom. He said, I am that I am. He said, if you want my presence, I'm Jehovah Shabbat. He said, I am that I am. I will be what you need me to be when you need me. Glory to God. When nobody else is around, when you're confused and you're questioning God, God said, I'm still there even though you're questioning me. I am that I am. If you need some comfort, that's what I am. If you need peace, that's what I am. If you need me to come down and just wrap you in my loving arms, that's what I will be. Somebody shout, I am. 
See, he's a loving God. He's not a faraway God. He's not Allah. He is Elohim. Elohim means something that has never been created. He's an all-existing one. He's an all-powerful one. The Bible calls it omnipotent. Omni-all-potent power. He's an all-powerful God. He's omnipresent. Omni-all-present. Everywhere at one time. Past, present, and future. He's a powerful God. See, this is the kind of stuff I got surging inside of me. I can't call it, call it contain myself. When you're full of God, you might be full of something else, but when you get full of God, ain't no way I can contain myself and be some little old watered-down pastor that won't preach the gospel message like God preached it. Oh, no, no, no. When you're surging with the power of God, you're going to go out and do things in his name. Everybody's not going to like you. But if you keep going with God, God said, I'll be right there with you. Lo, I am with you. Hallelujah. Whoa, I feel God up here today. Don't let me lay hands on you. I might knock you back to the wall. (laughs) Glory to God. I feel power. And let me give you another proof that it was God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Son. I want to read something out of Psalms 104 and 30. When the Bible was talking about the spirit in creation, it says this. You send forth your spirit. They are created and you renew the face of the earth. So this is doing creation. So in other words, all three of them were there. God the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why he didn't say let me. He said let us because we all work together. We are three but one. No, but we don't serve a three-headed God. He's one God. But he operates in three different areas. Come on now. See, I'm one man, but I'm a husband to my wife. I'm a father to my daughter, and I'm a son to my daddy. I don't treat my daddy like I treat my wife, and I don't treat my wife like I treat my daughter. I'm one man, but I operate differently depending on what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yes, I am a Trinitarian. I believe in the Trinity. I believe that we're full of the Spirit, but I believe Jesus Christ had to die, but the Father sent him to do it. He is God. Always has been, always will be. So now, he's the source and the foundation. So what image does this generation most look like? Is it an an image based on rationalism? Rationalism is the theory that opinions and actions should be based on reason and knowledge and not based on religious beliefs. That's rationalism. That means you rationalize everything. That's rationalism. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that point. Maybe it's more nihilism. Nihilism is the belief that rejects all religion and all moral principles. (laughs) They believe that life has no meaning. So this is interesting because the professors who teach this skewed worldview believe that they have a purpose to tell other people that they have no purpose. 
wait a minute, life has no meaning, but it's your job to tell everybody that life has no meaning. So your purpose, wait a minute, you can't have a purpose. You, you, you see how chaotic these isms are? If you didn't like that, but let me give you another. You want another? Let me give you another. Because this is the stuff that this generation is, they don't even realize what's happening to them in college. This is what they're doing. What about an image of materialism? Materialism is a belief that the physical matter is the only reality there is. Uh, they also believe that when we die, we just cease to exist. Uh, Carl uh, Sagan, which is one of uh, a renowned atheist, he says this. He said, the cosmos is all there is or was or ever will be. So that means we get our purpose from the stars. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but um, I, I don't. I, how many of you look like a star? <laughs> so science says there must be a cause for there to be an effect. So if we came from rocks, how can we be more intellectually powerful than a rock if we came from cause, effect? See, the effect cannot be greater than the cause. So if we came from monkeys, why are we much more intelligent than monkeys? If a monkey is the cause, the effect can't be more Are you yeah. 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 That. <laughs> you got to have a PhD degree to be that confused. <laughs> then to think that you came from a creator cause God, man, never be greater than God. That's the cause. We're the effect. Got to go back to the foundation. Why? Because he created you in his image. Amen? Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. What about relativism? <laughs> relativism is the belief that there are no absolute truths. Everything is subjective. Everything is relative. Meaning, I can have a truth that you don't have to have. Well, if that's the case, then there can absolutely be no right or wrong. Right. That's right. For instance, my truth might be, I just enjoy murdering people. Listen, it doesn't have to be your truth because it's relative. Mm -hmm. I like it. I can do it. That does not have to be your truth. But murder is wrong, not because I feel like I can do it or not. It's wrong because absolute truth says murder is wrong. So, so let, me, let me just, let me just. okay, you still with me? I didn't lose you, did I? I know we're talking about some theological stuff, but you've got to learn anyway. Amen? Because you've got to understand, well, what's driving the culture? These words I just said, that's driving the culture. It's important that you understand these words. So nothing is relative like that. There has to be some absolutes to work from, saints of God. So in other words, you got If you believe that this worldview is true, then Mother Teresa and Hitler were the same. Well, Hitler said what he did was his truth. 
killing all of those Jews, Hitler was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, that was his truth. So if you believe that, everything is error. Because there's no basis, there's no foundation to work from. See, the reason I'm talking about this is because you're looking at a culture that believes that something is true based on what they believe. See, this is important, saints of God. The policies that are being produced today are based on relativism. Because if the culture wants it, it's their truth, regardless if it's immoral. All right, y'all didn't like that one, so let me give you the last one. This is the big one. Somebody said it's a big one. Do they portray an image of secular humanism? It is a belief that humanity is capable of morality without God. Secular humanism is what's filling our history books and books in our schools. Secular humanism is what caused prayer to be taken out of schools. Secular humanism is why they took the Ten Commandments from the courthouse. Secular humanism is why now they're trying to fight to take in God we trust off of our money. Secular humanism. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about secular humanism. Adolf Hitler was a secular humanist. This is what he said. Society's needs come before the individual's needs. Society's needs come before the individual's needs. So let me break that down for you, and then I'll get back to preaching, because you've got to understand this kind of stuff before you even get into the foundation of what I preach. What is he saying? He's saying you don't have the capacity or the intelligence to control your life. You need a government. That's secular humanism. So it's riddle me this. So it's almost like we left the plantation, the big white house, all the black people, and now we have to submit to another big white house with white columns called the plantation of government. Except now it's just not black people. The whole nation has to be submitted to this master. It's right and it's tight. And I'm going to keep preaching it anyway. <laughs> truth is truth. Because the government trying to tell you how to raise your children. I'm trying to tell you now. I'm, uh, now, man, I hope this is making sense. You're going to tell me how to raise my kids? I know how to raise my kids. Let me just let them stay with you for a couple of hours. You'll be sending them rascals back. <laughs> free range kids. What's a free range kid? Just let them go do what they want to do. Not in my house. Your freedom is gone. <laughs> when you come in my house, ain't no free range. It's rules in my house. Hello. When you come in this church, your children have rules. They don't run around in this church. I'll pull up on them in a minute. Now, you can get mad at me all you want to. I'm trying to prevent them from falling and hurting themselves, and I'm trying to keep you from suing me. I'm just, I mean, people are so happy. Do you realize how many churches get sued? It was a woman six months ago, fell out in the spirit. Oh, Jesus, hit her head, sued the church. 
sold the church. I thought she was in the spirit. Am I making sense here? You see how all of these worldviews is shaping our generation because all of those are a world without God. And when you take God out, all you have is error. I'm just preaching truth, saints of God. Now, I'm not trying to talk bad about any one person. Y'all know me. I, 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 don't, I don't like any politics, to be honest. Uh, all of it is bad on both sides, all of them corrupt, on both sides, all of them patting their pockets. And while we sitting fussing and fighting on Facebook, they're going to dinner together. And you sitting here all mad and vexed, and they're eating dinner together. Boy, I sure got them riled up on CNN last night, didn't we? Boy, I, we sure did. The kids know each other. They all go to school together. Saints, please wise up. Wise up. Stop talking bad about people. If people believe in Hillary and they believe in Trump, let them believe in it. Leave them alone. Just go and do your job and vote who you think is going to be the better people because both platforms are diametrically opposed to one another. You better know what the platform is before you vote. That's all I'm saying. That's all I can say as a pastor is do your homework. Hello, somebody. So listen, let me, let me, let me read something to you. I'm reading a fantastic book by Ravi Zacharias. It's called Recapture the Wonder. I, I, re, I love his stuff. Uh, it says this in his book. It says, in the 1950s, kids lost their innocence. They were liberated from their parents by well-paying jobs, cars, lyrics, and music that gave rise to a new term, the generation gap. By the 1960s, kids lost their authority. It was a decade of protest. Church, state, and parents were all called into question and found wanting. Their authority was rejected, yet nothing ever replaced it. In the 1970s, kids lost their love. It was a decade of me-ism dominated by hyphenated words beginning with self-image, self-esteem, self-assertion. It made for a lonely world. Kids learned everything there was to know about sex and forgot everything there was to know about love. And no one had the nerve to tell them there was a difference. I can tell you a difference. Sex is going to give you a condom. Love is going to give you a ring. Now, bite on that one on your way home. This is what our teenagers need to hear. That brother ain't worth all of that. That's, that chick ain't worth all that. No. Uh-uh, uh-uh, what you got? What you bringing to the plate? What you bringing? What you got? What you got? What you got? We got too many Christian women. Oh, my heart. I just feel in my heart. What that brother got? Forget about your heart. What is he bringing to the table? What kind of relationship does he have with God? In other words, can he take you to a greater relationship in God? Or is he going to pull you down? Single women don't want to hear that right there. I know it. Y'all want to get back to Beyonce? Oh, 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 oh. In the 1980s, kids lost their hope. 
stripped of innocence, authority, and love, and plagued by the horror of the nuclear nightmare. Large and growing numbers of that generation stopped believing in the future. In the 1990s, kids lost the power to reason. Less and less were they taught the very basics of language. You know, that started happening in the 1990s. You'll be hard-pressed to find kids that know how to write in cursive. They can't even write their name. They, 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 we're going back to write nexus. I'm telling you, kids can't write. If you, if you tell a child today to write an essay in pencil, because of the technology age we live in, they're used to typing. Right? We had to learn how to write cursive, right? We had, that was a part of our curriculum. Right? And even though I write right now, you don't know what it is, but I, I give it a good effort. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can't read what I write in cursive, but I try. Right? My wife always talks about my, my signature. I'm, I'm going to stop doing a signature. I'm just going to do a line. Go to dot. Amen. Right. And so so there are a lot of fundamentals that are not being taught today because technology has changed everything. Kids are now used to doing things with their thumb and not with their mind. So the way we get them back to their reasoning and understanding is reading. That's why reading is so important. Just because you're an adult, you need to read. You need to pick out books. I got five books waiting. They keep calling my name. I need to read. I always have books waiting that I need to read. And I don't just read Christian books. I read books on philosophy. I read books on money. Listen, if you don't know how to handle money, stop asking for it. <laughs> I taught you last Sunday that God is not going to rain down money from heaven. You can keep asking, God, I need a blessing. God is saying you need to give me something to funnel this money through. God is not going to counterfeit money for you. You need to have something that God can bless you through. You need an avenue. I called it a bucket. I said you need some buckets. And and what Shelly Ann has done, she said, I'm no longer going to corporate America, Pharaoh. I'm no longer going to submit to Pharaoh and the taskmaster making bricks without straw. I'm going to go and start my own bucket so God can rain down his blessings into my bucket. Now, I'm not going to be submitted to the man, what some people say. I got my own thing, and God can bless you through a bucket. Now, listen, you should always be thinking, what kind of bucket can I have? What can I do? Tap into what God has placed within you because every one of you got something unique inside of you that nobody else in this room can do. It's already got a patent on it because God is the one that gave it to you. What is it? It may not be a business. It may be a ministry. It may be a counseling service. It may be something even greater than that. It might be a school. And it could be a business. It could be a ministry. It could be a book that you're writing. Or a song that you've written or singing. What is it? What is it that God has tapped into you? Listen, if you've been here for quite some time, you know some stuff. You know some stuff. Take what God has placed within you, pray on it, say, God, I need you to tell me, what else have you put in me to make a difference in this world? 
See, I got to make a difference in the lives of other people. That's my why in life. My why in life determines my what. My why is I want to add value to the lives of others. That's my why. And now that I know my why, God gives me my what. He said, start a church. He said, because you want to add value to people, start a church. And we started a church in the middle of a recession with no money and no people. But I knew it was my why. And because I knew it was my why, I didn't care if anybody else didn't see it. Because God said, I got a what for your why. Get your why so God can give you a what. I gave you that for free. I'm not going to pass the plate around anymore. You can have that one just for free. Check this out. G.K. Chesterton said this. G.K. Chesterton. It's too long to put it on a slide, so I wrote it out. Just listen. Just listen to me. Listen to me. See. Check this out. He said, you are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that he exists and is evil. You are free to say that he would like to exist if he could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him to the rags of metaphysics. It is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for chanting one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Wow, boy, when I read that, that's a mouthful, right? See, I like reading deep people because I'm not deep, so I read deep people so I can be deep. These guys are too deep. Sometimes I read their stuff and I go, I just can't read this right now. Have you ever read a book and you read it and the words were so big you had to keep pulling out the dictionary? And I'm like, I've never even seen that word before, right? And, and then you went, you said, oh, God, I just, I'll read that one later, right? I've been that way. I've, I tried to read a book, man. I tried to read a book by uh, Arthur Pinks, A.W. Pinks. A.W. Pinks, is, he's been dead a long time. I tried to read a book by Arthur Pinks. Let me tell y'all something. He, he, he was doing an exposition of the book of Hebrews. He, he wrote five pages on the word now. Five pages on the word now. Five pages. That book was heavy. I put it back. I was like, that's too deep. Now means now. That's all I need. What else is there? That brother broke that thing down so much, I got confused. I didn't even think that was now anymore. I mean, some people just, just heavy. I mean, they're just so smart. I love smart. That's why I like, I like, that's why I like y'all, because you guys are smart. See, see, I don't have to be smart when I got smart people around me. I ain't afraid to have smart people around me. I want smart people around me. I don't have to know everything if I got people like you around me. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about what God is doing. And we learn in school that, that what? Uh, a whole is greater than the sum of its parts, which means that individually we can't accomplish as much as we can when we're together. So if we can come together, we can accomplish more. 
as a church. So you're not coming into this church to try to support everything that I'm doing. I want to support what you're doing. In so doing, I'm fulfilling my dreams of my why, which is to add value to the lives of others. Is that making sense? Can I give you a scripture? How am I doing on time? Okay. Let me give you a scripture here. Leviticus 26, 13. I gave you this last Sunday, but I wanted to review this one one more time. Uh, This is powerful, guys. I want you to see this. This is an Old Testament scripture, but man, it has new world ramifications. Check this out. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves. Somebody say, I'm no longer a slave. Come on, come on, saints of God. Say, I'm no longer a slave. See, see, this is very powerful because when you got saved, God delivered you from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. So in other words, he took you from being in shackles and being in chains of sin and depression and confusion and worry and woe, you're shackled because when you're worried about something, you don't move out on anything. And when you're living in fear, you surely don't move because fear is false evidence appearing real. It's not even real. You haven't even done what you're fearful about. It's fear. Fear will incapacitate you to stand as salt. Why? Because you, you, oh, I don't want to do that because I'm so scared. Well, have you done it yet? No. Then what are you afraid of? I don't know. (laughs) Right? Right? That's just like when we we like when we travel, we like to go zip lining. How many of you guys like to zip line? Probably about 10 of you. Yeah. (laughs) Most of y'all in fear. So so if you zip line, hey, you grab that line, right? When you cast off, you committed. <laughs> Ain't no turning back. Ain't no hole. Wait. Mm-mm-mm. You don't stop until you go to the other side. God is like a big zip line. He's saying, if you just let go and let me, if you just free fall and just turn it all over to me, I will let you fly in the wind with nothing under your feet. Somebody said, now that's God. See, that's faith. Your faith is activated by change. If you're not changing, you you don't need faith. Can I read the rest of this? This, Isn't this good? Somebody said, mm-mm, good. That's like camel soup. I ain't lying. It is. It is. You ain't going to even want to go eat dinner. I'm just playing. I I heard somebody's stomach just a few minutes ago. That might have been mine. (laughs) Slaves to the Egyptians. Look at them. I broke the bars of your yoke. And enable you to walk with heads held high. Man, I love that because there are so many things sometimes that hits me in my life that I want to walk with my head down. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's sometimes when you're trying to do something and it fails and, and you just feel like a failure. You're just like, man, I've been trying to do this thing and I just the, it's just not coming together. And, and if you don't watch it, the devil don't need to say anything to you when you're talking to yourself. See, if you are not saying the right things to yourself, You will talk yourself out of doing something. Hello, hello. I'm telling you because negativity that you speak to yourself, you believe it more than when somebody else speak it to you. Why? Because you got an inner ear and an outer ear. Right. Your outer ear only hears what somebody else says, but your inner ear is what you say, and you believe more what you say than what somebody else says. So if you're saying negative things about yourself, you put faith in that negativity. 
So you got to change your language to change your actions. I know that everything around you is falling apart, but I'm not going to talk about it. Look, I was really looking forward to having that resource in my business. But guess what? If that one didn't work out, then God has another one. Hello, hello. Look, whew, I went to the interview. Man, I thought I did good, too, only to get a letter that says, thanks, but no thanks. That means there's something better. Because I am not going to allow no company's denial to determine who I am in God. Talk to me, somebody. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than some job. It's just a job. Got to find you another job. But when you got one, do the best job you can do. Don't ask for the promotion if you show up late and you leave early. (laughs) Listen, if you want a promotion, then you have to start working in the promotion before you get the promotion. So if you say, Pastor, Pastor, can you pray for me? I want a promotion. Are you doing that job now? If you say no, I'm not going to pray for you yet. Because here's what can happen. You pray for it, you're not doing the job, somebody else get it, then you're going to be mad at God. Well, it wasn't yours in the first place. Because you're not willing to do the job. Am I talking to the right church? Oh, we want to go back to Kumbaya, don't we? <laughs> Singing and holding hands. Woo. No, this is real stuff I'm teaching you. I'm trying to get you promoted. I'm trying to get another bucket for you. Because promotion says... I can give you more money, but I can give you a bonus. See, that's what I'm talking about, bonus. Somebody say a bonus. That's what I'm talking about. Well, listen, listen. Bonuses are not for that person sitting up there in that big chief seat that run the company in the ground and still get $6 million in a bonus. You better get yours now. Somebody say, I'm getting mine now. So go in there and do an effective job. Make that money, right? And then give God his. That's why I tell people, if you got a business, you should be sowing off of your business into the ministry. Why? Because we're the ones that's praying your business through. I just started a new ministry, my personal ministry, John Lawson's Ministries Incorporated. It's, it's, I'm getting ready to get my 501c3 approved. Guess every penny I make from that ministry, I'm sowing into this church. I'm going to sow it into this church. Why? Because I believe in this ministry. I believe in it, but I got to separate it. It's not the church's, it's mine. (laughs) You ain't having everything. (laughs) I got to have my own thing, amen? (laughs) Why? Because that's my legacy that I'm leaving to to my family, right? right. And so you too, you got something in you to leave something to somebody else. What is it that you have that you can leave to somebody else? It's something you got. There's something in you. As a young person, let me tell you something. You don't have to wait until you're an adult to do great things. You don't have to wait. You can do great things right now because the same God we serve is the same God you serve. And God don't love me more than he loves you, and he don't love you more than he loves me. He loves everybody the same. He wakes up the atheist because he loves the atheist just as much as he loves me. Let me tell you this. Now, I would never be able to quite understand this, but this is the truth. God loves people who don't love him just the same if he loves those who do love him. Why? Because his love is unconditional. 
if we in the church can love like that, wow. Wow, I got to throw my hanging out. Wow. If we could just love people, that's the kind of church I want. I want a church you just love. It don't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what your hair look like. Oh, you don't have any like me. Or what you're wearing, you can wear blue jeans and sneakers, or you can wear a suit like me. It does not matter. Why? I want to give you hope. You've been going through hell all week. You don't need to come to church and get beat up even more. You've already been beat up all week. You need to come to church to get motivated, to get inspired, to be equipped with going further in your life because God is not done with you yet. Are you, are you hearing me, saints of God? Put your hand on your heart and say, God is not done with me yet. Glory to God. He's not done with you yet. He's just beginning. And all you have to do is get on that zip line and just step out in faith. Listen, listen, listen. I know it's scary to start a business. I know it is because that's your livelihood. Because if it fails, it can be bad. It can, be, it can, go, it can go really wrong. But can I share something out of my experiences? When we started this church, I didn't know anybody. I'm a transplant. We moved into Charlotte. I didn't know any pastors, any ministers. I reached out to some who didn't reach back. I reached out to some who I'll never reach out again to. I'm just, I'm just giving you truth here. And we were on our own. I said, Lord, people are leaving their houses in my community. And you want us to start a church? How are we going to start a church? I looked at our bank account. I said, Lord, <laughs> how are we going to start a church with no money and no people? Because you're supposed to have people. Yeah, we, we started. It was, it was, it was just three, three of us. <laughs> That's the church right here. And I'm thinking, they weren't giving. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, oh, Jesus, how are we going to do this thing, right? <laughs> and so eventually we got a two, two or three families, and man started Bible studies, and things started growing. It wasn't fast. We've never had fast, fast growth in this church. It's been very slow, but it's been very good, right? I, I'm okay with slow growth because it gives us an opportunity to get to know you. I'm okay with that because that's the way God wants it. I don't think I probably can survive in a church that grows too fast because my personality is I want to get to know you. Now, there are some churches they grew like, I mean, Elevation, fastest growing church in the nation. I mean, and we started the same year. And they just, boom, they took off. And all my friends said, man, you, you, we need to go to see what they're doing. I said, no, I don't. My name is not Stephen Fudick. My name is John F. Lofton. Don't ask me what the F stands for, because <laughs> I've used that F in, in the wrong way. <laughs> All right, come back. I'm coming back. Thank you. I just went out there for a second. <laughs> I said all of that to say this. 
a lot of times you really won't get to know what God wants to do in your life until you do something that would utterly fail unless he comes through. We had no option. God, if you don't come through, it will fail. Our rent down there when we was in the old building was $2,300 a month. We had $300 in the bank. And it was the third. Now, when is it late? The fifth. <laughs> right, baby? We, we have got a little P.O. box there in the entry. I'm telling you a true story. This is how this church started. Pull up at that P.O. box. Men and Lane would look at each other. Lord. <laughs> we got to pay this rent. <laughs> I am not one to pay anything late. I am not paying. If I got to pay it late, I'm closing the doors. I'm not paying anything late. I hate late. I can't. Ooh, it just does something to me. Can't pay late. I, oh, no, no, no. Plus, as a church, church already have this stigma that we don't pay. I refuse to be that kind of church. So we would pull up at the peel box. I'm like, baby, we got to go in there. Let's pray. <laughs> I would go in there, open that thing up. Nothing is in there. Uh, this is the third. Fourth. We pulled up. We <laughs> pray. Lord, we need a blessing. Got my name on it. <laughs> I gave you the mail, right? I did. I pulled it out. I didn't want to look at it because it was the fourth. I did. I was scared. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I was scared to death. I was like, God, <laughs> me and Lane didn't have $2,300 in our account to pay for this. And so we had our own mortgage to pay for. I gave her the mail. I just said, yeah, here. She looked and she said, mm. it was an envelope from a businessman in the city. And she opened it up and I looked at her and I want to know what it says, right? She's crying. I'm like, what does it say? <laughs> She's doing to me, what What it say? Come on, baby, what it say? What it say? What it say? Was it eight thousand? That check? Was that the ten thousand one? That was the eight thousand dollar check. Somebody said, "Great big God." We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.